Well, there's lots of things that have been said this morning that are linked into what I'm sharing. So God's obviously been at work <laughs> um, in me and in this morning. For those of you who don't know me, I'm called Jodie. Um, I'm on the leadership team here at Epping Forest Community Church. And at the moment, we're in the middle of a series about faith in action. So especially looking into the Old Testament and some of the characters that we see there and seeing what did it mean for them to follow God and what did their faith look like in their lives. And today we're moving on to Daniel. We'll be looking at him this week and next week. So just want you to, if you know or you've heard anything about the character of Daniel in the Bible, just turn to the person next to you. What words might you use to describe Daniel? So if you don't know anything about him, say, don't know who he is. <laughs> if you've heard, what words? So just get a few words going. How would you describe him? Okay, who wants to shout out any of those words? How would you describe Daniel from what you know? Brave. Brave. What was that? Prayerful. Faithful. The lion's den describes Daniel. Obedient. Disciplined, uncompromising. Patient. Vegetarian. There was, do we have? Visionary. I'm not doing a talk on veganism today, but <laughs> you could get that from the book of Daniel. <laughs> um, but yeah, there's loads of ways that we can describe Daniel. And Daniel is a fascinating character um, to me. I've actually spent a long time studying him. I went through three months of study on the book of Daniel and the character of Daniel. Um, there is a lot in there. Um, the book of Daniel is a book um, that you may be familiar with, you may not. Um, you're probably familiar with the Lion's Den story, um, but there's a lot more in the book of Daniel beyond that. It's a book of history where it tells of events, and it's also a book of prophecy. Um, and there's a lot in there about times to come and the end times and um, prophetic visions about what's going to happen. Today in this series, we're focusing on Daniel and his life. So we're not going to be going into the end time prophecies, um, but that's a series for another time. So when we think about Daniel, um, just going to skip through. We don't have time for the fun bit of the talk, I'm afraid. We have to skip into the. the I was going to flick back and say, what words would you use to describe my children? How they dressed up for World Book Day. They had to dress up as an adjective. So... Any ideas what adjective, what describing word Annabelle may be dressed up as? Sparkly? Royal? Yeah. Bling? <laughs> yeah, they had a word on there which Annabelle loved discovering, which was bejeweled. So she chose bejeweled. Any ideas what Micah might have chosen? What word he had? <laughs> Crazy? <laughs> Wacky? outrageous. He chose ridiculous from the list, so I think we can agree he looks ridiculous in, in his daddy's shirt and tie and his grandpa's wig. We will leave that one there for you. <laughs> 
So, um, but anyway, that was just to get us thinking about how we describe people and outward appearances, one way we describe people. And Daniel, um, words used for him and his outward appearance were perfect, handsome, um, but that isn't all that we're going to learn about Daniel, hopefully, over the next two weeks. So Daniel was a Hebrew, um, a young, um, probably young teenager, when um, the Promised Land was, when the Babylonians came in and took the Promised Land and took some of the people from Israel into captivity. And so the Babylonian Empire was a huge expanding empire that was um, very self-indulgent, very opulent, very extravagant, probably lots of bejeweled people in the the Babylonian Empire. And it was ruled um, at this time by a king called King Nebuchadnezzar, who we read about in the Bible, but that there is lots of historical literature around as well to to prove to us that he was a a real person and he existed. And the religion at the time in, in, in Babylon was... You, there were so many gods that they worshipped and you had to please them. And then the, the king was like a god himself, was like an appointment of, of, of the gods. And so it was this rich, self-indulgent, um, multiple uh, god-worshipping place that Daniel was taken into from the promised land into this place. And it's in modern-day Middle East and Babylon is, would have been in Iraq Um, So that's the kind of place we're talking about. And you can see with this red line that um, this is the distance that Daniel would have been taken from Jerusalem in his home to Babylon, to this completely different place and culture. That probably would have been an eight-day journey. Um, So we're talking about quite a different place that he would have been in. So we're going to dive into our study of Daniel, and the Bible tells it best, so I'm just going to ask Chris to read to us Daniel chapter 1. It will come up on the PowerPoint as well, um, if you want to follow along, or you can just listen. Daniel chapter 1. In the third year of the reign of Jehoiakim, king of Judah, Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, came to Jerusalem and besieged it. And the Lord delivered Jehoiakim, king of Judah, into his hand, along with some of the articles from the temple of God. These he carried off to the temple of his God in Babylonia and put in the treasure house of his God. Then the king ordered Ashpenaz, chief of his court officials, to bring in some of the Israelites from the royal family and the nobility, young men without any physical defect, handsome, showing aptitude for every kind of learning, well-informed, quick to understand, and qualified to serve in the king's palace. He was to teach them the language and literature of the Babylonians. The king assigned them a daily amount of food and wine from the king's table. They were to be trained for three years, and after that they were to enter the king's service. Among these were some from Judah, Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. The chief official gave them new names. To Daniel, the name Belshazzar. To Hananiah, Shadrach to Mishael, Meshach, and to Azariah, Abednego. But Daniel resolved not to defile himself with the royal food and wine, and he asked the chief official for permission not to defile himself this way. Now God had caused the official to show favour and sympathy to Daniel. But the official told Daniel, I'm afraid of my lord the king, who's assigned your food and drink. 
Why should he see you looking worse than the other young men your age? The king would then have my head because of you. Daniel then said to the guard, whom the chief official had appointed over Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, Please test your servants for ten days. Give us nothing but vegetables to eat and water to drink. Then compare our appearance with that of the young men who eat the royal food and treat your servants in accordance with what you see. So he agreed to this and tested them for ten days. At the end of the ten days, they looked healthier and better nourished than any of the young men who ate the royal food. So the guards took away their choice food and the wine they were to drink and gave them vegetables in stems set, set by the king to bring them in. The chief official presented them to Nebuchadnezzar. The king talked with them, and he found none equal to Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. So they entered the king's service. In every matter of wisdom and understanding about which the king questioned them, he found them ten times better than all the magicians and enchanters in his whole kingdom. And Daniel remained there until the first year of King Cyrus. Great, thank you. So just from that first chapter of Daniel, um, I've pulled out a few of the words that we learn about Daniel and his character. Um, so some of them you already mentioned, um, but we've got he was committed, confident, he was a fast learner, he was dedicated, bold, wise, handsome, um, devoted, he was young. Um, but there's uh, the two that I want to pull out um, for us to look at today. And the first one that he was devoted, and then the second one that he trusted in God. So let's first take a look at Daniel's devotion. Through this series of faith, we've been looking at people that believe in our God and what it looks like for them and their life. And so we see in, that, in this book of Daniel, we see in this first chapter that Daniel is devoted to God. When he gets offered the choice food and wine and drink, he turns that down. And the reason he does that is that at this time, the Israelites had been given the law. Um, God had given the Ten Commandments to Moses, and then we have the laws that he gave about how to live that was pleasing to God, how to live um, and follow and in obedience so that you were in the right place before God. And food and drink was a key part of that. And so Daniel, when he was presented with this luxury, it would have been the best food in the land. It was the king's table. He was giving some of his food to these young men. Daniel said, no, for me, that breaks the law of God. It breaks what God has called me to do. It means I will be disobedient. And he even goes so far to say, that's defilement. I will be defiling myself if I take that in, if I don't follow what God has called me to do and called us to be. And so he makes that choice. And for him, that would have been a big choice. He had to argue it with the officials. He had to say, like, test me. I believe that, um, that, that, that I will be healthy and strong and you won't see a difference because this is the way God's told me to live and he didn't compromise someone said that he didn't compromise um, in that 
And so he makes this stand in this first chapter of Daniel around the food. But for him, it meant so much more. This was about obedience to God and the way that God wanted him to live. The second point I wanted to highlight just from this first chapter is that he trusted God and that God's way was the best way. So he wasn't just following a set of rules and regulations, but he was doing it because he knew that what God said was true and that what God had told him was the best way for him to live. And so we see, um, he says, please test your servants for 10 days. Give us nothing but vegetables to eat and water to drink and then compare our appearance with that of the young men who eat the royal food and treat your servants in accordance with what you see. And then we see that after that time, at the end of the 10 days, they looked healthier and better nourished than any of the young men who ate the royal food. So Daniel's obedience wasn't just, like I say, to a list of rules and regulations, but it was in a lifestyle of following his God and trusting that what God said is true and that what God said was best for him. And his response to that was obedience. I'm going to move to, to chapter 2 of Daniel. I'm not going to read um, the whole of chapter 2. Um, we're just going to summarize it as we go through. But in chapter 2, Daniel finds himself um, in the service of Nebuchadnezzar. And Nebuchadnezzar has a dream that disturbs him. And you may know from other stories in the Bible that it was common for um, kings to, f to be spoken to through dreams, and then they would call their advisors and say, um, what does this mean? What are the gods trying to tell me? So Nebuchadnezzar has this dream, and he's very distressed. And he calls for all his advisors to come, and he doesn't just say, what does my dream mean? But he says, I'm so disturbed by this. I really want to know what it is. Tell me what my dream is first, and then tell me what it means. So if I told you my dream, a dream I had, you could probably all come up with what you thought it might mean. But if I said, I had a really bad dream last night, Julian, what was it? Julian can't come up with that off his own, <laughs> in his own knowledge. He's got to rely on a supernatural intervention to help him. Um, and so that's what Nebuchadnezzar's doing. Trying to, I really want to know what this means because I really believe it's important and I'm so distressed. And his advisors come back and go, that's impossible. No human can tell you what your dream was. And so Nebuchadnezzar says, okay then, I'll kill the lot of you because you're no good. And that's where they, <laughs> they leave it. <laughs> um, so the king replies to the astrologers and says, this is what I have firmly decided. If you do not tell me what my dream was and interpret it, I will have you cut into pieces and your houses turned into piles of rubble. But if you tell me the dream and explain it, you will receive from me gifts and rewards and great honor. So tell me the dream and interpret it for me. So they all go away in fear. <laughs> um, Daniel, Daniel hears about this and... When the, when the commander comes to Daniel, um, it says, the commander of the king's guard had gone out to put to death the wise men of Babylon. Daniel spoke to him with wisdom and tact. 
So again, his wisdom, he's not just responding in fear, he's responding in his God-given wisdom and tact. And what Daniel does is, we need to pray, because he too believes it's impossible for humans to do this. But he knows that he serves the true God. So he goes away, and Daniel returned to the house and explained the matter to his friends, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. And he urged them to plead for mercy from the God of heaven concerning this mystery so that he and his friends might not be executed with the rest of the wise men of Babylon. And during the night, the mystery was revealed to Daniel in a vision. And then Daniel praised the God of heaven. So Daniel goes to the king and he um, tells the king, no wise man, enchanter, magician, or diviner can explain to the king the mystery he has asked about. But there is a God in heaven who reveals mysteries. And he has shown King Nebuchadnezzar what will happen in days to come. Your dreams and the visions that passed through your mind as you were lying in the bed are these. And he goes on to explain to Nebuchadnezzar what the dream was. He provides an interpretation of what it means that God's revealed to him. And it's a hard message that he's bringing about the kingdoms that are to come and the ultimate destruction of the earthly kingdoms and the eternal kingdom that God is establishing himself. So he doesn't shy away from, from this hard message. And then he ends it by saying, yeah, the great God has shown the king what will take place in the future. The dream is true and its interpretation is trustworthy. And then Nebuchadnezzar falls prostrate before Daniel, paid him honor and ordered that an offering and of incense be presented to him. And the king said to Daniel, surely your God is the God of gods and the Lord of kings and a revealer of mysteries for you were able to reveal this mystery. He goes on to promote Daniel, and Daniel makes sure that when he's promoted, that his friends, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, also um, are honored in this. Um, so he makes sure that God is honored, and then he remembers his friends and doesn't take the glory for himself. So from chapter 1, we saw that Daniel was devoted to God and lived in obedience. In and we also saw that he trusted God and he had faith that following God was the best way and that what God said is true. In chapter 2, something that I want to pull out is that we see that Daniel relied on God and he didn't just do it in his own strength, but in everything he looks to God. So when there's dec the decree that the advisors are going to be killed, he goes back and he says to his friends, come on, we need to pray. Pray with me through the night. And in the night, God reveals the dream. And his response is to praise God. When he gets the revelation of what the dream is and he gets the revelation of what the interpretation is, he praises God. He then goes to Nebuchadnezzar and he says, you're right, no human can do this, but God can do the impossible, and my God has revealed this. And once he's given the interpretation, he reminds Nebuchadnezzar that God was the one that brought this. 
and he praises God again. We've already mentioned some of these verses this morning, but um, as I was reading through that, it reminded me of Proverbs 3, verse 5 and 6, that trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding, but in all your ways submit to him and he will make your path straight. When we look at this, what Daniel was doing, he was faced with this challenge. He was faced with this um, just impeding disaster, basically, that was coming. And he says, what's really going on here, God? I need your supernatural intervention, and I believe that you will be faithful, and that if I turn to you, you will give me the answer, and you will save us. And that's what he does. He responds in boldness once he gets the interpretation of the dream, even though it's not what Nebuchadnezzar would have been wanting to hear. And the other thing that we see um, in this passage about Daniel is that he valued a community of believers. He knew that to follow God and to live in obedience to God and to rely on God in everything, he needed others around him. So he goes back and he calls his friends and he says, pray and fast with me because we need to seek God together over this. And so we see that value of being together. And then, not just in the difficult times and the hard times, in the all-night prayer meetings and the fasting, but when Daniel gets recognized and praised by Nebuchadnezzar, he also calls for Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego to be included. It's not just me. We're all reliant on our God, and it wasn't just me alone. We did this in fellowship. There's a lot um, more that we're going to be looking at in the life of Daniel um, over uh, next week as well. But just from these first two chapters of Daniel, we can start to see the person of who Daniel is and the faith that he has in the God that he serves. And as we've been looking at this series, we've been saying that faith is about being sure of what we hope for and certain of what we can't see. It's about knowing who we are and knowing our past, where God's brought us from, knowing our future, where he's taking us, and knowing how to live in the present, in the world that isn't our home. And we've seen that it's about action. It's not just about belief and thinking, but it's what does that therefore lead us to do. And we're starting to see that Daniel um, helps us to understand those things even more. So some things for us to think about um, from the life of Daniel that we've looked at so far. So if we think about those four things that we've pulled out from chapter one and two, what about if we think about us? So are we devoted to God and living in obedience? Now Daniel was living under the old covenant before Jesus came and he had the rules and the laws from Moses that they were following to be in the right place with God. For us, we've had Jesus come and to fulfill the law. And those of you who've been um, in the church for a few months, um, last year we were um, studying the Sermon on the Mount and some of Jesus' um, teachings to us there. And 
we were looking at what does it mean? What is it that God calls us to now? What did Jesus teach us to do? How did he teach us to live? And in Matthew 6, uh, we've already looked at that a bit this morning, but in verse 37 to 40, it says, when Jesus was asked what the commandments are now, what are the greatest commandments? He says, love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind, that this is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is like it, love your neighbor as yourself. All the law and the prophets hang on these two commandments. So as we think about living lives that are devoted to God and in obedience to him, in the forefront of our mind is that, are we loving the Lord our God with all our heart, mind, heart, soul, and strength? And are we loving our neighbor as ourself? That's a good place for us to start when we think about obedience to God. The second one, are we trusting God? Do we believe what he says is true? Do we believe what we read of what he said in the Bible is true? Do we believe what he said to us uh, personally through his Holy Spirit and through fellow believers? Do we believe it's true? And do we live and make our decisions according to that? And that his way is the best way. From a natural perspective, if you're Daniel and you're presented with this banquet and this feast, you may think the best thing to do is to enjoy that luxurious food, the things that you've maybe never tasted before. But if you know that's not what God's got and that's not the best thing for you, it takes bravery to say, no, I'm going to go with what I know God wants, even if naturally it doesn't look like that's the best choice. If we know what God says is true and we trust him, then that fuels our obedience to him. The third point, do we rely on God in everything? Are we saying, God, what are you doing here? What do you have for me? Just like Alison was sharing her testimony, um, from just one day this week, God met her, and God... You had to live out of God's strength because you didn't have your strength. <laughs> and, and sometimes that's, sometimes we only recognize that when it's the extreme. But are we living like that daily? Daily am I making that choice? I'm not going to live in my own strength. I'm going to rely on God in everything and expect him to be with me and for me to hear him and for him to reveal his plans and purposes to me. And then am I going to recognize him or am I going to take the credit? Am I going to be like Daniel pushing the praise back to God? I can't do this, but God can. Then when he uses me, that wasn't me. That was God. Like God is the one who is at work here. God is the one um, who brought that solution, who broke in, who whatever it is, it's God. It's God. It's God. It's God. Um, so we rely on God and then we recognize and we give him the glory in it all. And then the final point, um, Daniel knew that he needed people around him to follow God with his whole heart and to be obedient to what God had for him and to rely on God in everything. He knew that he needed others around him. And so again, we've said this um, a number of times and different themes have come through, but just that value of community of believers and having people that we do life with, having people that encourage us, challenge us, keep us 
um, focused on God. It's 12 o'clock, so we're going to um, be wrapping up. But just some of the things that we're starting to unpack from the life of Daniel. And next week, um, we'll be going into a, a more detail and being challenged around what does this look like for Daniel when he faces the most challenging part of his life. Um, unless there's a more challenging thing than being thrown in a lion's den that isn't recorded, but I'm making the assumption that that's <laughs> the most challenging part of his life. But how do these foundational truths of what Daniel had determined to do in this part of his life, affect him when things got really difficult. I'm just going to pray for us. Father, again, we thank you for your word. We thank you for your call for us to live lives of faith in you, to have our foundations firmly built into you and your truth and your promises and your character. Father, thank you for, for Daniel and the life that he led and the choices he make, made that we get to see how he put his faith in you, Yahweh, and what that looked like for the decisions that he made. God, help us to be faithful to you. Thank you that we know it's not in our own strength, but it's by your spirit that we are faithful. Father, help us to rely on you in everything, to live lives that are dependent on you and that we might be available to be used by you and then when we are, to give the glory back to you. And Father, help us to, to do life well together, to realize that the enemy would love us to be in isolation, but that you call us into family and community. We just thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. amen.